you are listening to Monster of the Week with Timothy from ProDM. And here on our very first episode, we are going to look at the very first monster in the 5th edition monster manual, the Aarakocra, the Aarakocra, the which whichever, Aarakocra. Since this is our very first episode, why don't we spend a minute talking about how we're going to structure these episodes. Uh, So we have three segments. The first segment is going to be all about the monster's history, where it comes from, what edition it was introduced, where its various powers and abilities come from. A little bit of time maybe spent on how it was interpreted across different settings, if it appears in multiple settings. And then we'll do a segment about positive things about the monster, things we like, things that like I might use in my games or have used in my games or ways you could use them in your games. And then we'll do a last segment about, you know, a little bit of criticism about the monster. Some things we don't like as much. Things that either fall flat or aren't quite as interesting as as they maybe could be. So three segments. History, positive, negative. But first, what is an Aarakocra? You can find the Aarakocra on page 12 of the Monster Manual. It is literally the first monster listed under A. They are basically bird-like humanoids that are native to the elemental plane of air. Uh, They are CR one-fourth. They have a talent attack, a javelin attack, um, and they have one feature called dive attack, which lets them dive straight down towards the target and get like an extra d6 of damage if they hit with an attack. Pretty standard short stat block. Lore-wise, the 5th edition Monster Manual presents the Aarakocra as these sort of like elemental foot soldiers. They're native to the elemental plane of air, and they work for the Wind Dukes of Akka, who are, I think, genies? that are lords of the elemental plane of air, and the Aarakocra are kind of their elite fighting force, specifically kind of sentinels watching out for incursions from elemental evil. There's a long section here about the Rod of Seven Parts, and they talk about how if you find Aarakocra on the material plane, chances are good that those are just bastions or outposts that are concerned about incursions from other elemental planes into the elemental plane of air. So you'll find them around portals and things like that. Very extra planar is the way they're kind of presented here. There's also a sidebar about summoning air elementals, which we'll get into in a little bit. Let's talk about the history. The Aarakocra actually go all the way back to AD&D 1st Edition, if you can believe it, in the Fiend Folio, which I am looking at right now. They are the first entry, of course. It's that double A, right? And there is a huge amount of information about the Aarakocra here, and all of it is basically useless. They go into color of plumage and what that means. They talk about uh, their wingspan. All this crazy fiddly detail you can find in a lot of these old monster entries. The Aarakocra have since appeared in every subsequent edition in some form or another. They were a playable race pretty much from the very beginning. I think like 1987 they were uh, originally introduced as a playable race. So kind of way back in the beginning. They are present in most of the sort of standard settings. They are in Greyhawk, Forgotten Realms, Dragonlance, Spelljammer, and Dark Sun. But there's little slight adjustments to to uh, all of them in those different editions. And FR, they are not originally from the Elemental Plane of Air. Instead, they're from Maztica, which is kind of Faerun's analog for Mesoamerica. In Spelljammer, they have these really goofy 
uh, spaceships that are made out of like hide and feathers, and they 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 make a specific point to say that the ships like flap up and down, right? <laughs> they, they, they like as though they're flying through space, and this of course has a tendency to make their passengers seasick. And then in Athos, in Dark Sun, is kind of where they get the most development. There, they are kind of reflavored as vulture folk who extort tolls from passerby. They're kind of universally mistrusted as sort of opportunists and, you know, scavengers. They have reputations for capturing and kidnapping people who don't pay their ransom. But what's interesting about that is that that is the origin of the air elemental summoning dance, which is a sidebar here in the 5th edition version, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But it actually originally comes from Dark Sun, which I thought was interesting. I think 5th edition does a lot of this, where it takes different ideas from these different settings and all kind of merges them into one sort of amalgam of D&D's history. That's basically the Aarakocra. They haven't really changed much since the very beginning. So let's talk about the things we like about the Aarakocra. Mechanics-wise, there's not much here in the Aarakocra. They're a humanoid monster, and these tend to be pretty basic in terms of they have an attack, usually a melee attack and a ranged attack. They do have dive attack, which I think is fine and interesting, and it's very historical, too. That kind of goes all the way back to the beginning with the Aarakocra. There's a paragraph here in the lore that talks about how they have no concept of political borders or property ownership, and the value of gems, gold, and other precious materials seems to mean little to them. I like this idea a lot that they don't really distinguish between what's valuable and what's not. In a pirate campaign I ran, actually, I kind of took this to an extreme. The air coker in that setting were called, I called them tax wings. They're more based on seagulls, and the notion was that they would swoop down onto passing ships and demand tribute from them, but they only ever wanted weird stuff like scissors or twine or buttons or whatever. They didn't really understand wealth, but they understood they should be taxing people who come through their waters. So I like playing with this idea that they're kind of magpie-like bird people that that don't value the same things that we value. There's some really cool story opportunity there. There's this sidebar, which we mentioned, about summoning air elementals. And I think it's a really cool idea. I like monsters that have abilities outside of their stat blocks. But the problem here is kind of in its execution. It requires five Aarakocra to use their actions for three turns, each one maintaining concentration. And if any of them break concentration, it fails. And then it summons an air elemental within 60 feet of them, which is like a CR5 monster. It's interesting, but it's ultimately not that useful. For that much time and effort, you would imagine something more powerful. And then even then, they can't do it more than once once because once they do it they have to take a short rest it seems cool and i like the idea of a ritual dance but it's it's i can't really envision a scenario where that would come up in a campaign tomb of annihilation actually uses a similar thing where the aarakocra and that adventure use their ritual dancing to grant the players the power of flight so it could be something you could use as an inspiration to build out like what other kind of ritual dances do the aarakocra do to give themselves kind of extraordinary abilities that's kind of fertile ground i think and again, Monster Manual, you have one page, not a lot of space for that. But this particular example doesn't really feel all that useful to me. The other thing I really like is the notion of them not as playable characters is kind of cool. We'll talk about this more later. But here in the lore, they're really touted as the champions of the Wind Dukes who have specific orders. They feel kind of angelic, which I like. That they they are sentient, they are a people, but they're so driven by this mission that they don't really come across in the same way as uh, a dwarf or an elf. I really dig that flavor. It makes them feel a lot more like... Um, it reminds me of like Tolkien's giant eagles, right? Where they're a people, they're a culture, but they have this like divine mandate. So let's talk about the things that don't work so well. 
As much as I think it's cool that they are emphasized not as playable characters, I think that these Aarakocca are too tied to the elemental plane of air. If, like me, you tend to run campaigns that aren't especially extra planar, the Aarakocca feel like they have to be basically rewritten from the ground up. There's not a lot here flavor-wise that I can use. They could maybe serve like an individual genie or something on the material plane, but they're so baked into the elemental plane of air that homebrew DMs don't have a lot to do here. The fact that they spend as much time as they spend on the Rod of Seven Parts, I think the word Aarakocca is mentioned once in that paragraph, like, ah. I don't care about any of that, man. Like, it's cool that that's Greyhawk history, but it's just not interesting to me or useful to me as a dungeon master. The other big problem with the Aarakocra, and it's not actually here in the Monster Manual, but it's the very concept of a flying PC. So full disclosure, I had one in a previous campaign, Tomb of Annihilation, and the concern that people have about flying characters is very valid. Namely, that giving a first-level PC basically a third-level spell, fly as much as they want, whatever they want, is a huge balance issue. They attempt to balance this out by basically giving the Aarakocra as a playable ancestry no other features that all they can do is fly but the inevitable consequence of this is that all an Aarakocra can do is fly and so I think it kind of almost psychologically sends the player down this thread where what they do is fly their character flies and flies and flies and flies and flies and that's all they do flying becomes an integral part of who they are which means that every single combat you have to account for that if you're a dungeon master so Aarakocra are say that they're broken, but it does kind of winnow down your combat options into things that can challenge a flying character. Let me tell you, there aren't that many of them. This last one is extremely petty, but the art in the 5th edition Monster Manual makes a kind of a big change to the Aarakocra anatomy. So they basically present them as bipeds, humanoids, with wings on their back, whereas historically, Aarakocra always had basically hands at the elbow joints of their wings. So this allowed them to basically tuck their wings behind them and then use their elbow hands. Uh, and they specifically say in the Fiend Folio, about as dexterously as a human can. And I think that's just more interesting. It limits them when they fly. They can't use their hands to do anything, right? If they if they, they can only use their feet. So I guess it's a little silly if you think about them trying to like throw javelins that way. But it felt more like a bird, right? It inherently made them feel more avian and less human. This is literally just a feathery human with wings on their back. I don't know. It kind of loses some of its weird charm by doing it that way. There's nothing in the text that prohibits your air cocker from looking like this. But it's suggested in the art, right? And I can't imagine Aarakocra PC wanting to go back to having basically just two usable limbs when they're flying. Though, honestly, in retrospect, that might be a perfect way to balance that. If you have to use your hands to fly, then you can't cast spells, you can't really make attacks. Yeah, you can still fly, but it's balanced a little bit because it occupies both of your hands. So that might be an option, honestly. So what are some other ways that you could improve the Aarakocra in your games? Let's think of three. So you could get specific about what kind of bird the Aarakocra sort of emulate rather than just sort of generic bird or, you know, eagle or something. You could have seagull Aarakocra or blue jay Aarakocra or, I don't know, penguin Aarakocra, right? There are actually tons of possibilities if you kind of go looking for them. Secondly, you could extend what the mystic dances allow them to do, right? They could summon air elementals, sure, but maybe they could also let humanoids fly or turn the Aarakocra invisible or open a portal to the elemental plane of air. There's a lot more you could develop in that space that the little paragraph in the monster manual doesn't really give you. 
And lastly, I think you could make them a little bit more interesting by reverting to the old school way that their hands work. By putting the hands on the elbows, you could homebrew some rule about Aarakocra as player races that they can only use their talons when they fly, right? That their hands are kind of occupied. Maybe they can still make attacks, like by throwing javelins, but their lower feet aren't maybe dexterous enough for casting spells, for example. Just to give them a little bit more extra flavor that an Aarakocra player has to make some choices about how they want to play if they're going to be flying all the time. And I think that's it. That's our first episode. We'll be back next week with another episode of Monster of the Week in which we cover one of my absolute favorite monsters, the Apollon. Until then, thanks for listening and happy adventuring. Monster of the Week is a ProDM production. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at XPWebSeries. And if you like the show, please consider joining our Patreon campaign. For $1 a month, you get access not only to early episodes of this show, but also to brand new homebrew monsters every weekday. You can find us at patreon.com slash XPWebSeries. That's the letters XPWebSeries. The music used in this episode was Rainbow Ride and Waves by Azure Flux, licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, Creative Commons license. Check out their work at azureflux.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>